Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from John chapter uh, 4, verses 39 through 42. And I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. <clears throat> Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. He stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Whenever I was a junior in college, I was struggling with my call to ministry. I first felt a call to ministry when I was 16 years old at Camp Wesley Pines. But like most teenagers, I kind of put that off to the side and didn't really worry about it. I had too much life to live to worry about ministry. Uh, so, I, But I, I, I knew that I was raised or I was supposed to be a doctor. So I was at Mississippi College majoring in pre-med chemistry. That was what I was studying, and that was what I was going to do. I was going to go to, I was, my original plan was to go to Colin, then Ole Miss, then UMC, and then move back home and be a doctor. The Lord sent me to MC. And while I was at MC, I was majoring in this, and I just, y'all, I did not have a peace about it. I just didn't have peace about this career path that I was on. Grades were fine. It wasn't like I was struggling academically. I just could not put my finger on it, but I did not have a sense of peace about this step. So I said, well, Lord, maybe you've not called me to med school. Maybe you've called me to research. So I switched my degree track to what's called ACS chemistry or American Chemical Society. That's the more research part of the chemistry major. Very math heavy. It's just awful and terrible. I don't know what I was thinking. It was an awful idea. But that semester that I did that, I spent a ton of time in the lab. So I would get up, and I, before, before the sun would rise, I would be going to, to, uh, to Hederman Science Building at MC, and I'd be in there all day long, and I wouldn't get done sometimes till sundown. And this, this put me doing a lot of research. I spent a lot of time working with Dr. Ed Valente, studying amino acids, and I just sat there for hours looking at the speaker, just looking and making notes and looking and making notes and talking to no one. And if you know me, you know not talking is not something that I do. I like to talk. I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I sure have a fun time doing it. So I just did not have this sense of peace. But I learned in that season about the scientific method and that so much of science is not as much about action as it is observation. I spent so much time just observing, just making notes, observing. It wasn't about what I was doing. It's about me observing it. Today, we're going to speak of the third of the four parts of our theological method, and that's experience. And I'm be very honest with you, this is the one that I had the hardest time with. Scripture is easy and makes sense to me. Tradition, easy and makes sense to me. Even reason makes sense to me. But early in my theological training, I was in a tradition where 
I kind of learned to naturally be distrusting of experience or naturally learn to be distrusting of emotion even. So I struggled sometimes because one of the questions is we said in this, in this series that Scripture is primary. Scripture is primary. Scripture is, if we're going to use the house analogy, Scripture is the slab that the house is built upon. Built upon. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Scripture is the slab. Then everything else reason, experience, tradition. That is the the framing, if you will, of the house. Scripture's primary and scripture is external. Scripture's something given to us. So by now saying, by talking of experience, that truth has become something subjective or something only that I can experience or that, 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 that is something that is unique to me. Are we saying truth is subjective? And no, we're not saying that. Truth is external. Truth is revealed to us fully in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is revealed to us in Scripture. But it can be observed. It can be experienced. And that experience we have can confirm and grow and teach us. So, yes, truth is something that is experienced. And then our experience can then point us to further truth. This, This is true for John Wesley. One of the things that Wesley talked about is that is something called Christian perfection. That, that's a Methodist word. If any of you are longtime Methodist, you've heard the phrase Christian perfection. For Wesley, that was the way that he talked about sanctification, being holy, being sanctified. And for Wesley, when he spoke of Christian perfection, he was not speaking of perfect action, but speaking of perfect love that he was speaking in perfect love. And John Wesley would tell you, he himself never experienced in himself that perfect love. He never had that experience, but he said he would have experienced it or he would have observed it in others. He would have seen perfect love in other people. In fact, when you read his journals, you say that he saw moments or individuals where individuals loved perfectly. And in that moment, they were experiencing this concept of sanctification or Christian perfection. That was not something that he experienced it, but he observed it. And that observation then is experiencing it. So what we experience through our observation and through our lives helps us to better understand Scripture. Experience does not take the place of Scripture. Experience does not subvert Scripture. Experience does not rise above Scripture. But experience helps us understand Scripture and points us to the truth that Scripture is pointing us to. And I think there are three primary ways that experience can impact us. First, experiences can impact it, like John Wesley, and observation. What do we observe? What do we see? Where do we see these things? Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16, by your fruits, you will know them. You know what you can do to fruit? You can observe it. You can tell the difference between an apple tree and an orange tree, can't you? You know how you can tell the difference? You can observe the fruit they grow. Growing up, we we didn't, to say that we farmed is inaccurate, but we grew most of our our vegetables. My joke's always, it wasn't until I went to college that I realized that folks paid for vegetables and dogs. Because we, we grew most of our own vegetables, our, our butter beans and our sweet corn. We grew that. But then also, we live so far in the country, people, we're, we were where people dropped their dogs off at. So if you didn't have a dog, just wait a while. One will show up. 
So what do you mean you're going to pay for a dog? Just wait. You'll find one. It'll, he'll come around your house. Well, my daddy decided at one point he wanted to grow an orchard. So we went to the beautiful Pike County, Mississippi co-op. If you've ever been there, you know that is really a little, little slice of heaven. And bought some fruit trees. Brought some apple trees and bought some pear trees and even, I think, a lemon tree. He wanted to try lemons. And we planted them, and we did all the stuff you're supposed to do, and we didn't ever grow a single daggum thing. We struck out. We were over. And so while this may have said it was an apple tree, if you observed it or experienced it, you would not have seen any apples on that tree. Jesus says, by, your fruit, you, by their fruit, you will know them. Y'all, at this point in my life, these years of ministry, you know the only thing that I truly want to see in my life is the fruit of the Spirit. That's it. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And I want to observe that in my life. And I want to experience that in my life. But not just that, y'all. It isn't just what I want to experience or observe in my own life, but the people in my life that I want to follow, the people in my life that I want to surround myself with are people where I experience or where I observe the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all, we, we place our faith in the wrong things, in leaders and things. For most of my ministry and a lot of my life, I wanted to be charismatic. I wanted to be dynamic. I wanted to be a good leader. The devil's got charisma. The devil's dynamic. Devil's a good leader. He's leading the host to hell. But he doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit. I want to observe and make sure that my life is developing the fruit of the Spirit within it. And then likewise, the people that I want to surround myself with, the people that I want to look to in my life, aren't people with the most influences, are the biggest platforms, are the biggest church, are the biggest social media followings. But I want to follow and surround myself with leaders, pastors, and friends where I observe or where I experience the fruit of the Spirit. That is where we can find the Spirit of God is by experiencing these things. So one way that we can, our experience shows us truth is that we can observe it in others, in other contexts. Another way that the experience affects us and points us to truth is that in that we can have what's called, the, 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 is the leading of the Spirit. In, in Romans 8, it says that His Spirit will give witness with our spirit, that we can experience the leading of the Holy Spirit. We use, we, you, know, you know this term, you might not know it already, but you know this concept of the spirit giving you assurance. We call it, we call it that assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember I said earlier that I did not have peace when I, was, when I was struggling with my call, I did not have assurance. I did not have the leading of the Holy Spirit in this. And I did not feel or experience that assurance. But the Bible tells us that God's Spirit will give witness to our spirit that God is with us. 
and that God is calling us and that we can know, we can be assured of God's presence and God's calling and God's reality in our life in that moment. Now, friends, let me be clear. Assurance does not mean that we do not have fear. It does not mean that things are going to always make sense. It doesn't mean that it's going to always be easy. Assurance sometimes is that leading of the Spirit, sometimes still packed with fear. But where the Spirit of God leads, we are called to be faithful, even if we're afraid, because we can experience the leading of the Spirit calling us to faithfulness. So we can experience God, and we can, we can have God pointing to us truth. We can experience Scripture through observation to where we see it in others with the fruit of the Spirit. We can experience it through assurance or through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, we can experience it through our own unique human experience. That every one of us, y'all, brings something unique to the table. Every one of us has our own experiences that point us to Jesus. Today's text is a great example. Y'all, this text today, if we were to back up and read the whole thing, we would see that Jesus came to this Samaritan woman. By the way, y'all, Jesus, he's just messing with folk in this passage. Like you read the whole chapter four, Jesus is just messing with folk. He's talking to a woman at noontime about religion. Okay, he's just trying to cause trouble is what he's doing. Because the disciples show up, they're like, like what are you doing? Well, like, they're literally like, wait, what, what are you doing, Jesus? He's like, I'm talking to this woman. And they talked about living water, as Amber said. I, by the way, I have experienced drinking water from this well. The Samaritan well is in the basement of a church in Samaria. I've been there. And one of the cool things about the Holy Land is that there are traditional sites, which are sites that we think it happened there. And then there are authentic sites where we know all the authentic sites are tied to water because water doesn't move. Whales don't move. They are, they are constant. So I've been to this well and I have experienced drinking from, from that, that well. Pretty cool. But they, these, these Samaritans said, we, do, we no longer believe because of her testimony, but we believe because we have experienced it for ourselves. They experienced God's goodness. They experienced the good news and it changed them. Y'all, our unique experiences shape us and shape how we understand scripture, shape how we read scripture. I love the story of the woman called adultery in John 8, where it says, Jesus said, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And it says they all dropped their rocks starting first with the elders. I like to think those who had experienced much in life understood the concept of grace the most. But in my life, I have experienced pain with my mother's murder when I was two. I've experienced that, y'all. Pain is a reality. Tragedy is a reality. Bad things happen many times for no good reason. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen. And pain can allow us to, by God's grace, cling more tightly to his grace. And pain, when you experience it, it teaches you that God is not absent in your pain, but that God walks with you through your pain. 
that your pain does not have to be something that drives you from God, but your pain through God's grace can draw you closer to God. That has been my experience. That's why I love the church so, because the church stood by me in my pain. That's why I love the United Methodist Church so, because it stood by me in my pain. That's why I love Bogachetta so much, because it stood by me in my pain. I've experienced God's goodness in these areas. They've pointed me to Jesus. I have experienced love. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible Is where Jesus says, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your perfect heavenly father know how to give you good gifts? Uh, Any of us that are parents, any of us that love someone else, understand that there's not a single thing that we would not do for our child, for our grandchild, for the person we love. That doesn't make us outstanding. It just makes us human. It's part of what it means to love someone. And the Bible says we are sinful, yet we would not hesitate to do good for those we love. How much more does our perfect heavenly father do good for us, right? When you love somebody, now you know, Alan, don't start singing. But to love another person is to see the face of God, as our favorite musical tells us in Les Mis. To love another person is to see the face of God. When we love That is a powerful experience that points us to God's greater love for us. And then lastly, for me as a pastor, being a pastor, shepherding you, shepherding you, the sacrificial nature of being a shepherd. Y'all, there's been days in the life of our church recently, uh, you know, as we've lived through the meth apocalypse of the last year. There's been days we had, a, we had a leadership meeting a few weeks back where we put a bunch of our committee chairs in the room and we just talked, our ministry chairs, and we just talked about our church and our visions and our goals. And I walked away from that meeting saying to myself, it is my honor to pastor these people. It is my high privilege to shepherd these people. When you have the joy of shepherding, It teaches you humility to understand it's not about what you want or getting your way, but it's about trying to guide your people towards the good shepherd who is Jesus Christ and letting him be the source of our life. So as God has called me repeatedly in this season and many seasons to humble myself, to get over myself, to put to death my pride and my ego and basically just get out the way And let God move. I've experienced God's grace and God's goodness. That experience has been formative and life-changing for me. We all bring unique experiences to the table, y'all. Paul talks of the church being a body. We're not all hands. We're not all eyes. We're not all feet. We're all different. And the body of Christ needs all of our unique experiences. St. Matthew's in this moment in our life together needs your unique experiences. Whether this is your first Sunday here or your 100,000th Sunday here, we need your experiences for God to use us in the way that he longs to. These experiences shape us. They point us to truth. And they in many ways help us to understand God's word so much better.
But for me, though, honestly, the reason why experience matters so much to me and the reason why it's so important, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. I see his hands of mercy. I hear his voice so dear. And just the time I need him, he's always here. You ask me how I know he lives? I was an angry, depressed, broken teenager trying to make sense of life, trying to overcome heart, trying to overcome hurt, trying to make sense of all the brokenness around me in my life. And when I was a senior in high school, I went to Jesus in prayer and said, Lord, you got to help me. I can't do this. I need you. And he changed my life. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. That is the story of my life. And that experience that I had in that night and in that moment changed my life forever and changed my life for the better. Experience points us to that. So today... As we think through scripture, as we think through tradition, as we think through reason next week. By the way, I'm excited about next week. Next week's going to be fun. Oh, y'all get the bibliography? Oh, my gosh, it's going to be good stuff. Like, I'm, oh, man, just get, gird up your loins and get ready for next week. It's going to be fun. But as we experience God's goodness, that goodness points us deeper and deeper to the truth of Jesus Christ. May we experience that grace and life-changing grace of Jesus Christ today. Let us pray.